Hi, this is James Van Osdell and welcome to Carcon Carne. As I'm recording this on January 23rd, it's been an okay winter so far. January hasn't been its usual soul-crushing self, but you know that'll change. Things will take a turn. They always do in the Midwest. And when it does, man, the Chicago winters are brutal. For a homeowner, winters mean your gutters, windows, and doors can take a beating, and wind and hail just finish the job when spring rolls around. If you think you may have damages that could qualify you for a roof and or siding replacement through your insurance, you need to talk to my friends at Suburban Roofing and Siding. They'll give you a free nine-point inspection of your property exterior before you call the insurance company. Let them assess any damages you may have and walk you through the steps of a claim hassle-free. They're an accredited member of the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating, and all their contractors are licensed, bonded, and insured. They use the highest quality materials available at no additional charge to you. Again, that's my friends at Suburban Roofing and Siding, 224-677-6149, 224-677-6149, or visit them at SuburbanRoofingAndSiding.com. It's Carcon Carne. Now, here's the problem. I, I've got the, the seat warmer on, but the seat warmer is currently blockaded by a ring light and a hard drive recorder, so I can't... My back's going to be sweaty when we leave. That's okay. Is it? But it'll save you a trip to the chiropractor because, you know, like, you'll have a nice warm back, you'll I'll, feel good, and muscles will be loose. I'll be loose. loose. I'll be yeah, loose. be nice and loose. All right. Uh, this is the loosest podcast you'll hear all week long. To my right, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or anywhere else that, that shares video content. He is comedian Mike Stricker. He is my front seat guest. Let's get him better framed in the in the picture uh, through our camera crew. Uh, Mike Stricker, he is, if you're in the Illinois area, West Dundee, he, you can see him at Black and Gray Brewing. No, that already happened. Uh, you can see him. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> Holy shit, did you miss a great show. You can see him in St. Charles at The Hive on the 26th, which is this week as we're recording this. Also, uh, Chicago Ridge at Burger Station, B-E-R-G-E-R. Rushville, named after uh, Rush. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so, too. Uh, That's on February 4th and in Freeport. I don't. I don't even know where these places are. Are they close? Am I I giving bad dates here? A couple couple hours away. I'm working (laughs) on more local stuff. Okay, fair. So we're at at Gene and Jude's with, with comedian Mike Stricker. Gene and Jude's, of course, a staple. Now, you grew up in this area. Yes, sir. You're no stranger. Like I said, Gene and Jude's, you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I didn't need any more info. As soon as you said Gene and Jude's, I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to eat hot dogs with JVO in his car. I'm a fan. First and foremost, I'm a fan. I've been a fan since I was a kid. You're one of the first radio personalities I know. Not too many people will be more geeked to be here than me tonight. So thank Oh, my you. God. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you. I, I thought you were starting to talk about how excited you were to be at Gene and Jude's, which would also, also. be perfectly valid. <laughs> uh, this place is unchanged. I've said it before in this podcast. Nothing here has changed except for the fact that they now take credit cards. Yes, sir. But the prices, I mean, we walked out of there, I think it was 13 bucks for a sack of food. Hold up the ceremonial sack of food. Look at that. Oh, and you know it's good. You know it's good because the fries are, are working their way on breaking free through their greasy, bag-deteriorating 
oil. They want to see the bag, not my face. This is beautiful right here. That, that is that is beautiful. Uh, so let's let's break it out because for people who haven't been to Gina Jutes, for people who haven't seen Gina Jutes, there's something special about this. They're the depression dogs that are wrapped in their homemade fries. They cut their own fries here, and the fries are actually, I think, underrated in the greater Chicago area. Absolutely. And in fact, I'm going to move the camera here. This is so hot on my hands. This was a bad idea. I don't, I don't want to hold this up much longer. Like, there's a hot dog under there. It, it's not visible right now. It's just buried under the the heft of all those French fries. Oh, there it is. There, there it is. is. It's in there somewhere. See that little turtle head poking through? You have to uh-huh. earn your way to it. You do. <laughs> but you've been coming here forever. Yes, sir. Any stories, any memories, any fond, any, any drunken moments? Oh, absolutely. Uh I went to college down the street, so we used to come here all the time after any night out. Um, first off... Wait, there's a college in, like, Melrose Park? Yeah, there's there's uh, Concordia, where I went, mm. and then there's Dominican across the street Got as it. well. So um, a couple of things about this place. There's a McDonald's next door, and mm-hmm. it's the only McDonald's in the world that stays in business because they sell ketchup. Because <laughs> if you come to Gina Jude's... Wait, they, they sell ketchup? They sell their ketchup packets because people who come <laughs> here... The story is Gene and Jude's is very strict on the traditional Chicago-style toppings. You will get yelled at and possibly kicked out if you ask for ketchup. And I'm not sitting here trying to, like, challenge people. These are hardworking dudes in here. They don't want, like, a hard time. But if you ask for ketchup, it will really bother them, and they might kick now, you Mike, out. Let's, that, that's, that's all bullshit, right? Not that they do that, but the ketchup thing. I'm, I'm indifferent about it. I think you like I, I don't what eat, you like. But. I don't eat ketchup on my hot dogs, but I'm not one of those militant people. Like, how dare you? You're not truly from Chicago if you if you like tomato condiments on your hot dog. I, I think it's I think it's for them because it's their business. It's a lot different than just like a regular person like who likes food talking about it. But the ketchup packets are keeping the McDonald's open. That's hilarious. Because this place, one, it's cheaper. Like, as you said earlier, you're not going to usually get... $13 worth of food at McDonald's and this tastes better too uh, but people will come here and want ketchup and run over there and grab some packets mm-hmm. and um, that used to not be a gas station maybe it, maybe it was I don't know but the McDonald's is there basically for ketchup so that's, that's how brilliant. good this is alright surrender some napkins oh I do have napkins here you go yeah I already need them I'm, my hands are already so greasy how do I keep losing you over here I'm squirmy no, the camera keeps I'm going to go right in for the sport pepper. I might be in some trouble here because I'm... Yeah, you're definitely in. Oh, man. So, all right, coming up in the Midwest, what was your original career trajectory, and when did you decide to completely torpedo it? Um, Well, I don't know if I ever had a real career trajectory. You Uh, went to college. I went to college. I got a communications degree, which is kind of a crap degree, to be honest with you. You know, I got... Tell me something I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> you know, just on its own, you know, but like you have to know what you're doing with it. Like, I walked in the class and I knew this was a class for me, but I half went to college because I wanted to make friends and play tennis. So that was like half of my motivation. But um, I got out of college and um, my first job out of college, I actually worked for Redbox when they were kind of mm. big in Oak Brook. And uh, after a couple of promotions, I was one of the founding members of their social media team back in like 20. That sounds like a big deal. It was pretty cool. 2010, 2011. Uh, so I helped start the social media team, and I did that until 2016, and I went to find a new job. Now, and was that the kind of thing where they thought, hey, here's a young kid. It's social media. Let's give him a chance. And I think that was part of it. The other part was I had really – when they rolled out social media, they didn't think it was going to be as social as it was. Mm. For them, I th- 
think it was like an avenue to have customer service in a way that people wanted to have mm-hmm. it. Nobody wanted to call in, but you could go complain on Facebook, have your day, and then someone reaches out to you via private message, and then you're good right. to go after that. So I think that was the original approach. And I'd been working with their customer service team before that, so they're like, he's got experience, he's social media fluent, uh, and I think that might have been helpful at the time. By the way, is it astonishing to you, or is it as astonishing to you as it is to me, that Facebook basically has no customer service? None. Like this juggernaut, this thing that is has inserted itself into all of our lives. If you need help with anything on that platform, you are fucked. You are Googling it. You're looking at a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. There is no one to help you. You can shoot up that flare. It's like being on a desert island. My wife lost her account, and someone logged in, and you can clearly see that it was not her, and we couldn't get it back. She lost all the pictures. Of growing up. I mean, she had the account for 10, 12 years. She lost yeah. everything. And a lot of people upload photos on there, and then they just delete them from everything else. Like, if you do that, your account gets taken, it's gone. I'd highly recommend using passwords with at least a symbol and a number as well, mm-hmm. just to be safe. But um, no customer service. I just feel like everybody wants to work for Facebook, but nobody would want that job. Like, <laughs> like Facebook doesn't want to have, like, shitty jobs. You know what I mean? Like, they mm-hmm. don't want to be like... Oh, you work for Facebook. That's incredible. What do you do? I, I respond to complaints. Nobody wants to be that person. They want to like sit at the desk with business cards and like do social hour or whatever they do there. Because they don't have customer service. <laughs> it's astonishing to me. And I, Amazon has it, but there are layers. You have to like solve a few puzzles to get to their customer service. Yeah. All right. So Redbox, social media, we're, we're walking the path through your career to comedy. Okay. So I had a friend who I worked with at Redbox. His name is Nick Lulo, a uh, great guy. Uh, he had done some comedy, and um, we used to have these quarterly events at Redbox. At the time, it was kind of like working for like a semi-Google. Like anything could happen at work. Like, like that startup culture. Yeah, and, and they, they had money too because, you know, McDonald's was an investor. So, like, mm-hmm. you'd walk into work, and they're like, oh, we're going to take you in a limo to the Cubs game for the rest of the day, and that is your day at work. And we're like, oh, cool. Or they're like, hey – there's 500 Chick-fil-A sandwiches on the counter in the kitchen, and if you don't have time to get one, we'll give you a card so you can go get a free one. Or like, Dave Coulier from Full House is coming in today, and he's going to do a meet and greet and take pictures and autographs with everyone, and there's cupcakes. Just That, <laughs> like, is, so, that is so startup culture. Yeah. Just was, lighting money on fire. Oh, and they were so bad. Like, lighting money on fire so bad. They had like a 10-year anniversary party, and like... Corey Feldman was there and all these random people. The Bare Naked Ladies played a uh, private concert. Corey Feldman isn't worth buying a cameo from. Let alone bring him to a startup office. I asked him to sign my little lanyard I had and he asked what my name was like three times. He's like, what's your name again? I was like, Mike. M-I-K-E. It took him like three tries. It was so bad. (laughs) Um, But they would have these uh, quarterly meetings and they would have like different like entertainment and stuff like that. So the idea was I was going to write some jokes and tell them at the quarterly meeting, and that never happened. Um, and uh, over time, I started doing kind of freelance social media for other places. So there's a great spot that you were just at recently in Berwyn called Cigars and Stripes. Great spot. Great spot. That is the manliest place I've been to in a while. It looks like it looks like it would be a Rob Zombie project, just like. The, the horror theme and the barbecue and just the badassery of it. The horror like, theme, they, they smoke cigars, they drink bourbon, they eat barbecue, they eat smoked meats, there's gambling in the place. I mean... The best beer. It's it's one stripper pull away from like hitting every every checkbox. Yeah. So I would, I would go there to help with social media, and the bartender, Kelly, 
one time was like, hey, we have open mic tonight. Like, do you want to sign up? And I was like, I'd been thinking about it for quite some time. I'd gone and seen some comics there that really motivated me to be like, hey, there's a path here. You don't just like go to the improv in Schaumburg and headline. There's right. a there's a path to this, and this path seems a lot more clear and reasonable now that I know that there's like local places and you kind of work up to that. So I signed up for the open mic, and all my friends came out. And uh, next thing you know, uh, there were a couple bookers in the room after the open mic. And I'm not going to say it was because of my comedy that I got the booking offers, but definitely had to do with the fact that like 20 people ran out there on a Wednesday night to see yep. me do comedy. And so I got offered a gig, and I wasn't going to take the gig. And I was just going to be like, this is a one-time thing, and I'm done. When the booker, a guy named John Griffin, uh, said the show was at the Double Door in Chicago. And then I stopped because I'm a huge music fan, and mu- music was always like my original passion. But I never mm-hmm. had any like artistic ability or anything like that. I, I was understand. like, this isn't just like, oh, you're performing at the Double Door, but it's like everybody's performed here. Anyone you could think of, like the Smashing Pumpkins, Queens of the Stone Age, like Kanye, Kid Rock, like just every everybody, all the big names have been here. The Rolling Stones have performed here. Like this would be a cool like life story. And so I um practice for two months to get ready for that show then after i did that show i blinked and it'll be 11 years in a couple weeks damn good for you <laughs> thank you a uh, quick side note the double door is returning uh it'll be in the uptown area at wilson and broadway the latest episode of the double door podcast episode 19 is now available go to doubledoor.com or visit double door on facebook i produce the podcast nice just to tie it all together you do everything james you're you're one of the <laughs> unsung heroes of just the the scene of entertainment and music in chicago so thank, thank you. you thank and, you for singing yeah of course of course i'm no longer unsung you're singing you are i'm i'm <laughs> freak someone out in this jeans this week you want. this week i got I, I i'm hyper extended i i'm i got called for jury duty jury duty today at daily plaza got picked waited all day long found out right around six o'clock that i'm on a jury as of tomorrow i think this jury from what i understand six days of argument then a couple days of deliberation like this is my world for the for the next couple of weeks I, I don't want this to be my world but that said it's like oh my god i still have work to do which i'll have to look at at night i still have a podcast i got too much going on so thank you for singing my praises in the present day i I don't know how I'm going to keep it together the next couple of weeks. It sucks to be you. It sucks to be me. <laughs> this is delicious, right? Oh, um, And it, the tricky thing with Gene and Jude's is you kind of want to get two hot dogs because they go quickly. But the hot dogs are wrapped up in French fries. So if you order two hot dogs, it's too much food. It's too much. You get the double dog. That's the trick here. That is the trick. You're right. You get the double dog because it took me five to seven minutes to eat the fries. Mm-hmm. And I've been on this hot dog for about 45 seconds and it's almost gone. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you have to earn your way to the hot dog. So, All right. So my jury duty aside, you mentioned music, your interest in music. You've worked it kind of on the fringes of music or not even on the fringes. you worked around music, live event space. What similarities do you see between music and comedy? I think there's a lot of similarities, and I think that a lot of people are too scared to try to bring the two communities together. But I agree. We have, a, I would say, probably the third strongest comedy scene in the country in Chicago behind L.A. and New York. 
LA's where comics go to quote unquote get famous, and New York's where they think, go, think New York's where comics go to get like really good at comedy. So then you got Chicago, which is a great place to do comedy, but there's no like industry here, and so that's what holds a lot of people back from going out and doing stuff. And then you have incredible like music talent out of Chicago, and it's so good that people from nearby smaller big cities want to flock here for for music. We have some of the best venues on the planet in mm-hmm. Chicago, and I just think that. They could work together more, but I mean, the general idea is the same for you know music and comedy. You come out to a show, you get there a little early, grab something to drink, you know, you socialize with people. The show starts, you enjoy the show. Maybe you make some new friends. Maybe uh, there's a moment that you remember, you know, in that in that time. I just think there's there's so many ways they can go together, and they have gone together. Like you and I met at the uh, the first MS Sucks benefit. Which okay, I, full transparency, I'm an asshole. I forgot that. <laughs> When we first got together here at Gene and Jude's tonight, I completely forgot that, and I feel terrible. This is the kind of stuff that haunts me, Mike. That's okay. That's okay. It's not okay. You're being nice. but I, I am being nice, you know, because, uh, like I said, there was tons of people running around that night, and I was, like, the lone comedian, and I was, like, first out the gate, and I got them ready for you, and I think it it, it half went okay. I got a couple of mean messages online afterwards. No, did you really? I got, like, two or three mean messages, and it was because there was a couple, like, drunk hecklers in the front, and I was just like, hey, like, you might have had a couple too many drinks, uh, you know, like, I'm just going to enjoy this night with my friends. Like, that happens sometimes because... Um, I think, I, I'll never understand hecklers. Never. I think it's easier to bring music into a comedy space than it is to bring comedy into a music space. I agree. The reason I think that is because with music, you can sit there and talk. You can you can talk with your friends. You can clink drinks. You can make some degree of noise. The music's always going to be louder. But if you have someone talking during a comedy show, it could ruin the whole room. And so the atmosphere, the performance itself requires a lot more like concentration and focus by the crowd at comedy and so i think that's that is the one factor that keeps music and comedy people from wanting to collaborate more because then the music starts and you can be loud you can get drinks you can walk around and stuff but you have to be like you know like you're in school like seated and focused for comedy and so um when i walked out there that night it, despite like posts on on the internet and stuff, a lot of people weren't expecting a comedian to open up the show, and so to do that without any like, hey, like calm down for ten or fifteen minutes, we got a comedian coming out. It's kind of like a like a kind of a tough situation to put a yeah. comedian in. But I love Stuby so much. I, I I love just supporting him, and I'm not scared of anything. I'll perform in any situation. I just don't care. I've uh, been the national opener for the guys from Jackass for some years, and. Uh, after you do those shows, like you just don't really give a shit anymore, you know. Like, you know, you got people trying to come up, and be like, "Hey, man, can I pick up Wee Man after the show?" And it's like, "No." It's like, "Why not, man?" It's like because he's a person. And he's like probably almost fifty, and you know, he just wants to do that. But like, those crowds were were very tough and critical. So you had to learn how to navigate a rowdy audience, and you know, you see a lot of comedy, and they're in ideal situations and clubs that will grab you and kick you out the moment you disrupt the show. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like asking for ketchup at Gene and Jude's, you know, they'll kick your ass right out. Like they'll do that at comedy clubs, but like a lot of the um, comedy clubs at like rock venues or like comedy music collaborations, it's not the ideal situation for the comic, but you will be stronger as a comic if you learn how to kind of work through that. And I think that's been helpful to me. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Well, speaking of crowds and performing, you have a goal. I mean, I think it's important for any artist 
to set goals, have career aspirations. Your goal is to play in every one of the states, yes, every, every one of the 50 United States of America. Where are we at now? How many? We're at 43 right now. Uh, so we're getting close. Uh, this Friday, I'm in uh, Georgia near Savannah for the first time. And then on Saturday, I'm in South Carolina and Charleston for the first time. So that will put me up to 45 by the end of the weekend. So I'm getting pretty I, I'm, close. I'm guessing Alaska's one of your big ones. Yeah, Alaska, it, uh, Utah, Idaho, mm-hmm. Montana, Arizona. I don't think people in Utah find anything funny. I uh, we're gonna find out because I'm getting there this year. Like we're we're going the the goals to be done before 2025. And uh, you know, a lot of people have asked me like the the why I've set that as a goal and why I want to do it. I think I got so far just kind of organically. But uh, my family was pretty poor growing up. Uh, I hadn't been on an airplane between ages six and 26, uh, and I just wanted to experience like. It sounds cheesy, but like I'm a patriot. Like I love being an American. I love our country, and I want to go to all the different places and meet different people and see what it's really all about everywhere, and see if my stuff's funny to people that aren't just my ten friends at a at a bar. You know, like I want to make everyone laugh, and it's been really fun to see what works in front of certain crowds and what works in front of every crowd so far. That's what I was wondering when I learned of your your mission. Are all crowds pretty much the same once those house lights go down? Like, or, or is it a regional thing? Are you having different approaches or having struggles depending on where you're at? Um, I think I think you take different approaches based on where you're at. But if you've been working, you know, I've been working on this uh, show of mine for so long that I just feel like I know that I've got something for everyone on every show. But even just Chicago compared to the suburbs, you get very different crowds. You know, like uh, people are very like politically correct in the city and in the suburbs, they're not as politically correct, but both crowds might laugh very hard at different things. So just even just from mm-hmm. Chicago to the suburbs, you have that that big jump. You know, sometimes you're at a place and it just it attracts a certain age of people, like younger, older people, or you know, I've done churches, I've done I've done vape shop grand openings. <laughs> like uh, you you get different crowds depending on like vape where shop you're at. grand vape shop grand opening sounds like the trajectory of a radio personality. Meet Mike Stricker Saturday from noon until two at Bob's Vape Shop in Villa Park. Oh man, it was so it was so much funnier and awkward than that. Like, so I did two vape shop grand openings. Both were in Bradley, Illinois, and I did the first one. And they're like, "Hey, we're opening a vape shop. Do you want to come do comedy? We'll pay you X amount of dollars." And I was like, "Okay." And I went and I did the the vape shop grand opening. And then the second time, a couple of the same guys reached out and they're like, "Hey." The guy owns a first vape shop sucks, so we're opening our own vape shop in town, and we're having a grand opening, and we're going to hire... I think this is how Pizzeria Uno happened back in the day. <laughs> like, we're going to have a vape shop grand opening, and we're going to hire Mike Stricker to do comedy, and we're going to give him $50 more than he made at the first there place, and we're going to throw in free barbecue, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Sold. Sold, I'll do it, and I did it. So being in comedy as long as you have already... As far as building a brand goes, isn't podcasting the next step? It seems like everyone in comedy has a podcast now. Yeah, and that's why I haven't done my own. Like, I, I don't mind podcasts at all, and I think like this podcast is a good one because you serve so many different purposes in it. But it's just like there's there's an agenda, there's like a theme, there's like a format. You know, you've got the food, you're talking to you know people in like entertainment or in food in, in Chicago. I just feel like 
there's so many podcasts where people are just very like into themselves and just think I could bring on a guest and we're just going to make something amazing happen organically and it's like that's not true maybe it was true five years ago or or six years it's not anymore and I cringe whenever someone says I'm going to start a podcast we're just going to talk about all the stuff going on we're just going to talk about you know the topics that people are into. Like who's not doing that? Yeah, you know? exactly. So exactly. Uh, I love performing. I love performing. I produce some shows too. Um, a couple of my friends and I we started this uh, pr- production called Beer Flight Comedy, where we specialize in comedy shows at breweries around the Chicagoland area. Uh, I think we've got some of the best breweries. Like I'm biased as I live here, but I love our breweries in Chicago. Well, that to me, the craft brewing scene. I asked you about music and comedy. Yeah, that to me is very similar. Oh, yeah. In terms of, like, the hustle and the marketing and everything. Yeah, and the craft breweries are awesome because they they don't sit there and, like, judge your art as, like, a kind of a gateway to get in or not. You know, they just trust that you're going to bring them something good if you're reaching out. And uh, the breweries are just very laid back and relaxed. And, you know, you, you're in a place that has something that no one else has. Like, every brewer has something unique that no one else has. And it builds community. And when you go to yep. visit a new city... A lot of people look up the breweries, like, what's, what's this town all about? Let's check out the breweries. Yes. And so you get a very special, unique community, and that's why breweries are great for, like, music and comedy events outside of your, like, traditional rock club or your comedy club. And there's nothing wrong with those places, but it's just there's a lot of artists and people looking for stage time. And in comedy, you don't get better unless you're performing, and that's the only way to keep getting better. So you have to find new places to perform at and Breweries have been great. I'm performing at breweries in both those new states this week, so it's just going to be a lot of fun, and I get to try new beer. <laughs> and if you're looking for a red thread of Carcon Carney episodes, the word community comes up all the time, whether I'm talking to a craft brewer, a comic, a musician. I mean, it's that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's building community. Not in the cliche way, but doing meaningful shit and building building your tribe so to speak yeah and it's it's you know like you said earlier about like building your brand and building your community it's not you know i've got a good kind of feel for my brand with comedy like there's certain things i'll i I say yes almost always i try to be a yes person but every once in a while i'll get like an offer and i'll just be like no like i can't do that and uh i can give an example in a minute i think part of it is building your own personal brand and finding your voice and then building the community around you and surrounding yourself with people that are driven and want to support each other and help each Mm -hmm. other grow as as artists and you know members of the the scene here so um if you want an example of me saying no to something so here's one um I got offered a gig to open for Ron Jeremy a few years ago, <laughs> uh, and right out the gate, I looked at my wife and I was just like, "No, I can't do this gig." And I don't, I don't even really care if the guy hears the podcast, but this is what happened. Um, I got offered to do this gig opening for Ron Jeremy, and I told my wife, "Like, hey, I just got this offer," and she's a conservative Christian, and she was just kind of like, "I'm going to let you make the choice," which was cool, and so. Um, I was just like, no. And the guy was like, why not? I was like, look, if you want me to open this show and pay me some cash and come do a set and get paid and go out, that's fine. But you don't want that. You want me to promote the show on my social media. You want me to invite my friends and family and stuff. And at the time, I was a youth group leader at our church. And so some of the kids... I'm learning so much about you tonight. Yeah, yeah. And so like some of the the kids were, uh, you know, following me on social media and parents and stuff. And it's like, and I'd have to explain to them like why I'm working with Ron Jeremy, the porn star on this show. Um, 
and I ended up saying like, no, I try not to burn bridges, you know, so I told the guys like, hey, I can refer another comic over to you, so I referred another comic over, and lo and behold, two days before the show, it got completely canceled. Oh, no. So it stinks, but it was a reminder to like trust what you think is good yeah, and not I good agree. for your brand, you know, and it was it was a really important reminder for me, and uh, that was a special lesson I've kind of picked up along the way. So, well, at the risk of upsetting your wife, I just want to say, you don't need Ron Jeremy. You exude big dick energy. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I'm, that's going on my quotes. If I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on my uh, social media. Perfect. JVO said it's got to be true. <laughs> this man only speaks the truth. I only speak the truth. And that's why he's on jury duty for the next six Fuck. days. <laughs> uh, again, comedian Mike Stricker in St. Charles on the 26th, which is Thursday night. Thursday. Thursday. Night? Yeah. At the Hive, people are buzzing about it. Obvious joke. There it is. Boom. Someone had to say it. I knew it wasn't going to be you because you're a good comic. <laughs> uh, and you mentioned beer flight comedy. So, to keep up on you, Mike Stricker, uh, Mike Stricker Comedy on Facebook, yep. Mike, Mike Stricker underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, sir. Are there, there must be multiple Mike Strickers. Yeah, someone someone took the OG one. I wanted to do that so bad, just come up with great Twitter handles and then sell them to the famous person who gets them for like 25 grand. That's, that's called squatting, right? I think that's called squatting, but I think it's fair game. I would, uh, you know, uh, Chrissy Teigen, John John uh, Legend's wife. She announced that she was deleting her Twitter, and she did. I tried to change my handle to hers right away because I knew she was going to come back. And I was going to be like, twenty five k, Chrissy, and it wouldn't let me take it. But damn, that was a good that's idea. That's not predatory at all. <laughs> I, I'm glad that didn't work out. Man, eh, she can afford. It. And meanwhile, I, I've got to figure out who on earth has James Van Osdel on Instagram. I've been James Van Osdel forever. WTF? Let's Ooh. let's find them and frame them for something, and then you can <laughs> have it. How dare they? That's bugged me for years. I'm no longer on Twitter, by the way. Yeah, I I couldn't tag you on anything this week, so that's all right. I I just I kind of maxed out. I'm, I'm I'm good. You know, I I stay on there because I have some connections with people on there that I Twitter makes have sense otherwise. for comedians. Twitter, yeah. I mean that it's a great way for you to kind of workshop jokes and yeah. and direction. I, I get that. I blocked a bunch of words that I was just tired of seeing, and I just tried to block a bunch of stuff that just seemed like it exuded like just negativity and yeah. like hateful and stuff. It's like, and I don't. That's, you know what? That's what I should have done. And I, I, it's like I don't have a problem with people like saying what they want or whatever, but it's like um, if what you're saying is constantly taking a toll at like my well-being and is causing me to be negative, yeah. then I have a responsibility to do something about it. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that's a, a pretty feasible approach. So. Here's the tricky thing. We're, we're kind of at the end of our journey here, Mike. I'm st- I am I wouldn't say I'm starving, but if push came to shove, I could do another hot dog. Absolutely, yeah. I could find room. I could I could compartmentalize room in my stomach to allow for another encased meat. We should do a hot dog eating contest. Who God. Who's going to put down the fries and hot dog first? We still got some of our drink. You'll be hydrated. I'm all about it. I watch eating videos on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> From what I understand... From hot dog eating contest pros, it really is the bun you have to have a strategy for. Yeah, because that that just gets all dry and like you can slide, you can choke those things down all day long, but it's the bun that kind of gums up the works. Yeah, I mean Nathan's isn't going to sponsor. It's going to be two dudes just shoving down a hot dog on a Wednesday night in Chicago. The baby. least sexy podcast in the Chicago area. Oh, I it's should mention <laughs> you're, you're you're not a musician. 
But I should mention, Carcon Carne is nominated for best music. I, I should have said this right at right out of the gate. This is this is poor branding, right here. Uh, Carcon Carne nominated for best music podcast in the Chicago Reader's Best of 2022 uh, survey poll. You can vote until mid February, please. Uh, Carcon Carne 800 episodes plus. Over 100 episodes last year alone. Uh, I'd love your support. I'd love your support. I will. I will vote for you every chance I can. I'll get all my different email addresses. Good. We'll, we'll do it. We're gonna. We're gonna win this thing. We're gonna win this thing. Thank I say we like it's me or something. You're gonna win this thing, but we're gonna help you. I, I've been nominated before, and I, I always feel guilty asking people for help. And then I took the extra step this year. They, they, here's the hustle that the reader does. First of all, they're generating God knows how many page views and you know selling against them. They're probably doing okay. But for people who are nominated, like my podcast, for an additional $125, you can have prominent placement in the poll. So, excuse me, there are like six nominees for Best Music Podcast. I spent $125 to get a logo. It's a total scam, yeah, that's but I feel, like, I feel like I had to do it. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to win, you know, the will to win, but that's still bullshit. I, I felt like I feel bad enough asking people like you, uh, hey, please vote for me. But then I'm like, uh, you know, if, if I'm going to go all in, I'll fucking go all in. I'll spend the hundred twenty five dollars. And here we are. You just got to tell all the other podcasts that are on there that it costs way more and then they'll freak out and not that's, do it. That's right. And I mean, the other podcast, perfectly valid, perfectly good podcast. A lot of people who have been on this show before, a lot of people who are friends of mine. Uh, so it's, it's a tough category. I get it, but uh, I would appreciate your support. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike Stricker, I, I'm so glad we did this. I'm so glad we, we ate hot dogs together, and you are obviously keeping busy. I mentioned the Facebook page and everywhere else where people can keep up on what you're doing. Let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. And Beer Flight Comedy, please check us out. I forgot to do the tags. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Beer Flight Comedy uh, with my friends Tim Brennan and Gina Palm. We produce brewery shows all over the Chicagoland area. If you own a brewery, you have a brewery, or you're like the uh, event manager and you want to have some comedy at your brewery, we will work around your budget. We just want to come do it and we'll have a great time. Hit us up. Oh, I'll throw you a bunch of names. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, well, no matter how you're consuming this, thank you. Thank you for consuming this. That's Mike Stricker. Go support him. Go enjoy his comedy. Yeah.